Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. One of the uh, one of the more fun things for me about being a dad is bedtime. Uh, and not because they're going to bed and it's going to be a little bit quiet in the house because uh, my kids have mastered the art of stalling and I feel like they probably just got that from me. That's how I know what they're doing. Um, but one of the things that I love about bedtime is the opportunity I get a chance to spend one-on-one with each of my kids. I get a chance to kind of speak and process a little bit of their day. I get to encourage them. Um, get to tell them stories once in a while if they talk me into that, but I always get to pray for them. And when we do that, we get a chance to not just pray uh, for their day and to thank God for what he's doing, but, but we get to pray for the Lord to be at work in their lives, and we contend for some very specific things within our family. And Beth and I both do this for all three of our kids, and, and we consistently pray for two things. And one of it is an inside thing, and the other is kind of an outside thing. And here's what they are. The first one that we pray for is we always pray that our kids would be kind and loving, that there would be something formed within them that would have the tenderness of the Father, that would demonstrate the compassion of Jesus, that they would be kind and loving. And then the other thing that we always pray for is that they would be courageous and strong that the way that they go about engaging the things of this world around them, that they would have a boldness and a courage and a strength. But we pray for those things in equal measure. We contend for both of them, that within them would be a heart that is soft and tender and compassionate towards the Lord and others, but that they would also demonstrate a strength and a bravery and a vigor and a courage in the way that they go about engaging the things of the world. And so we, can, we contend for both. And as we've been in this sermon series called Deep Water, we've been looking at what it looks like to personally live out or practically live out a spirit-filled life. I would remind you of our anchor verse. It's John chapter 7, verse 38. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So it's present, it resides within, and it flows out. And by this... He means the spirit, that there is an intention of Christ that you and I would not just receive his spirit, but that his spirit would work in us in such a way that it is poured out of us into the world around us. There's things that get worked in us, character that is formed, and then there is kind of the application or the activity of it that performs affectation in the world around us. And we, as we've been going through this series, we've, we've started looking at the way that the Spirit of God works in us and through us in kind of two big buckets that especially Paul kind of brings some language around. And he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And we looked at that last week. And the fruit of the Spirit is not the produced activity of your life, but it is the Spirit of God producing the character of Christ in you. It has to do with spiritual character. And then the second thing that the Holy Spirit does is there is the move of the Spirit that is gifts of the Spirit. And gifts of the Spirit have to do with spiritual capabilities. It's the activity and the the partnered activity in your life 
that is demonstrated on the outside. So it's inside and outside types of things. And we're going to move our attention to the idea of spiritual gifts or gifts of the Spirit this morning, but I want you to think about whether or not you're contending for both. Very often what I find is one of two things to be true. Most people are contending for one, but not the other, and the rest are contending for nothing at all. Very seldom are we moving into a a spiritual maturity where we are pursuing the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit at the same time with equal measure. It's difficult uh, for us necessarily to get there. But just like when I pray over my kids, that they would be kind and loving, and can I tell you, they're not always kind and loving. And some of you have been over to our house or played with my kids, and you're like, yeah, preach that, pastor, I know that. And I uh, pray for them to be courageous and strong, and you know what, sometimes they are not bold. But we contend for both of those, and we're seeing growth in both of those areas. And I would suggest to you this morning that as we look at this second bucket, as we look at gifts of the Spirit, That as you take kind of an inventory of what God is doing in your life and how the Holy Spirit is at work in you, that you would consider for a moment whether you are contending for one or the other or nothing at all. And that if one of those things is really kind of where you're at this morning, that there would be a softness in your heart to receive from the Lord the prompting of His Spirit to maybe move forward into contending for one that you haven't or to contend for something if you haven't been pursuing either. And with that, if you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go ahead and get that out. You can open up your uh, Bible app on your phone uh, or your tablet as well. If we would go ahead and raise those up. Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would speak to us through your living word today. Lord, give us a soft heart to receive from you. But also, Lord, give us a courage to act. Lord, give us um, a desire to not just know about you, but to know you in a personal way that impacts the heart within us and the way that we live our life out this next week. In Jesus' name, amen. If your Bible's out, I want to encourage you to go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to get there in just a minute. And and the whole of our time this morning is going to be spent in just a, a short grouping of verses. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're really going to stay just between verse 1 and verse 11, but I want to give you a broader kind of thought for this morning because this isn't the only place and it's not just a specific place that the Bible deals with the way that the Holy Spirit works. Much like in Galatians chapter 5, as Paul's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, that we can actually find through the whole of Scripture demonstrations of the way that the character of God is supposed to be worked out and displayed in His people that the gifts of the Spirit are on display in the whole of Scripture as well, and there's much a broader context of learning and understanding for this. But for our time this morning, we've got to narrow it down. We can't tackle everything. We're not going to go through full lists. We're not going to do a deep dive and unpack all of even maybe your questions this morning, but we are going to answer three for ourselves. And if at any point in time this morning, or if as you're thinking about this last uh, several weeks in this series, you are, are, are kind of moved to, man, I want to know more about that. I kind of, I want to, I, I want to dig a little deeper. I want to have a broader understanding. One way that you could do that, and I would just encourage you to, if you have not, but that would be to begin our equipping class process, our square class process. In square one, we cover much of these basics. And if you go to square three, we go real deep 
on last week and this week, and, and we get into all of the specifics of those things. And I would encourage you to do that for your own discipleship and your own growth, if that would be appropriate. But for, day, for today, we're going to stay in these uh, grouping of verses. We're going to answer three questions. If you're a note taker, I'd encourage you to kind of write these down and leave some space for you to gather all of your thoughts there. Uh, but the first question that we're going to answer this morning, just from this context, is this, what are the gifts of the Spirit? Right? Last week when we started talking about the fruit of the Spirit, we asked that same question, what is the fruit of the Spirit? And we began to unpack a broader understanding of that. And so we're going to do that this morning. What are the gifts of the Spirit? The second question that we're going to ask is going to be important for us, and it's what are they for? Right? What, what are they for? Like, what are they? What are they for? And then the third one, and this is kind of where it gets a little bit more practical and personal, but we're going to answer this question, who receives these gifts? Who's who's able to receive them? And so we're going to answer those uh, this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you're familiar with the letter, uh, the letter of 1 Corinthians is a pretty long letter that Paul writes to a church in Corinth. And most of the letter is bringing correction and redirection to a church that assumed a depth of spiritual maturity that was not present. They had a perspective of themselves that they were very deep and very mature in the things of God, mostly because the gifts of the Spirit were at work and evident, and they could all see it happening. But Paul spends most of his letter saying, hey, you guys are missing it. You've got a piece, and that's good, but correct, 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 redirect, how about this, remove that, like most of the letter is that. And so by the time you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's already been dealing with their attitudes, he's been dealing with some of their processes and the way that they've been quote unquote doing church. And most of what he's been having to address is the fact that as a church body, they weren't thinking of each other, they weren't thinking of the whole, they were almost in every Uh, respect thinking of only themselves. And so he's combating that type of thought. And so as he gets to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he begins to talk about the way that the Spirit of God is supposed to be at work in the body of Christ and the way that it's supposed to be demonstrated within the whole through individuals. He's kind of bringing that type of a framework to mind. And if you're somebody who likes a little bit more of a deep dive, you want a little bit more study this week, I would encourage you read chapters 12, 13, and 14 together because in the whole of those three chapters is where Paul really unpacks some of the details that we're not going to get to today and starts to address some of the minutia of what was going on in the church at the time. But for us, we're going to start 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and here's what it says. Now about the gifts of the Spirit... Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. We're just going to stop right there. Christ's desire for you would be that you would know his spirit. He spends a lot of time in John 14, 15, 16, reinforcing that with his disciples. Our anchor verse is such that the expectation is, is that if you have put your faith in Christ, that you receive the Spirit of God in such a way that it is an increasing measure that pours out of your life. And as Paul begins to bring some redirection and correction to the church here, he really just kind of cuts right to the chase. He says, about gifts of the Spirit, I do not want you to be 
uninformed. If you've got like the New King James or some different translations, the word uninformed is actually weightier. Uh, The word is ignorant. Uh, The NIV softens it a little bit. So we're not necessarily offended by what Paul is saying, but he's saying, hey, about gifts of the spirit, I do not want you to be uninformed. And we tend to remain uninformed about this. The uh, times of, in church history, you can see this happen as kind of pendulum swings from kind of different uh, strongholds of denominational expression. And in just kind of most people's daily conversation, if you have conversations revolving around this type of a topic, there's a lot of disinformation. Uh, there is a tendency to not just be uninformed, but for many of us, we're uninterested. Uh, we're unsure. So we're not, I'm not really sure about this. I'm not... I'm not sure I want to have that conversation or if I, I want to allow the Lord to work in my life in that way. Uh, sometimes we're unrestrained and we've run into that person who seems to uh, say or express that they have kind of this move of God in their life, but it seems kind of uh, destructive and counterproductive. And so what I found many times is that very sincere believers who are pursuing all of what God has for them when it comes to the working of the Holy Spirit in their life, will end up landing in one of two camps. They will be very eccentric or they will be very apathetic. And both of those attitudes need to be corrected to come to a place where we have a willingness to be informed by the scripture of who the Spirit of God is, how he works in my life, and how can I expect that to take place and where can I partner with him, which is what we've been doing in our series together. But as Paul begins to unpack this, he, he says that his desire is that the body of Christ, followers of Christ, would not be unlearned when it comes to these things. And so then he begins to move on, and we're going to answer our first question. So what are these things that he's talking about? What are spiritual gifts? And if you go just a few verses later to uh, verses 4 through 6, he begins to draw the big idea parenthesis. He begins to kind of give the whole view of the topic, the 30,000 feet type of a view. And if you've got your, uh, your Bible out, you can look at your verses there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And so as he, as he begins here, this is his framework that as it moves narrower towards, in just a few verses, a, a list of spiritual gifts, which is not exhaustive, it's illa- uh, illustrative, Much like the fruit of the Spirit, there's not just somehow nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, but that is a good nine that you can view and kind of uh, give uh, an assessment over. When you get here, there's going to be a list, but there's other lists that Paul provides in other letters of spiritual gifts that have ones that aren't in this one and are missing those in that one. And so there's a, a greater variety, and we'll touch on that in just a moment. He's drawing the big box, the big parentheses for our expectation. And so here, we're going to answer, what, what is he talking about when he talks about the gifts of the Spirit? And I want you to go back to chapter uh, 12, verse 1, the very first one. If you are a highlighter, if you are an underlighter, 
I want you to somehow designate gifts of the Spirit, right? So look at this verse. It says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, I do not want you to be uninformed. If you highlight, underline, designate that out. This is why we're going to start here. Uh, Gifts of the Spirit is not actually in the Greek text. The, The word there is a single word that is being used, and it's being translated as this grouping of words that helps us with the rest of the context. It kind of frames our expectation. It's not necessarily wrong, but it's not the center of the bullseye, and here's why. The word in the Greek is hard to translate. It's actually this word. It would be now about spirituals. I don't want you to be uninformed. Now, that sounds weird in English, doesn't it? Because spiritual for us is an adjective, right? That is a spiritual act. We use it as an adjective. A plural adjective, spirituals, that's hard for us to grasp. And so our translators are doing their very best to kind of frame it out and present it in a way that makes sense to us. But in doing so, they narrow it instead of leave the breadth of the word that was intended. So Paul is really saying this. He's saying about the spirituals, or a good way for you to practically think about this, about the many different things of the Spirit, or the matters of the Spirit. It's a really broad statement. About all the many mysterious things of the Spirit of God that you don't know, I hope that you grow in knowing. It's a big, broad type of a statement that he makes for us here, being this kind of this plural adjective, if we were going to translate it for you and I, about the many different things of the Spirit, we need to be informed. And then he moves from that to verses 4, through four, 5, and 6, and he begins to give some articulation to some of the many varying things for us to understand. And so he moves to... There are different kinds of gifts. Now, if you're a note taker, you can highlight, you can underline that. That word is there. That's where the the spiritual gifts and that language moving through this text and what Peter uses in his letter and Paul in others, this word charis, this word grace, this gift of God, that word is there. And that's why they kind of loop it up to the top. It's talking about this spiritual gifts. And so we're going to use spiritual gifts up here because spirituals doesn't necessarily make sense. It's too broad. But the breadth is helpful for us to understand. So he moves to this idea. There are different types of gifts, but one spirit, the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service. Some of your translations are going to say ministries. Okay, make that designation there. And that word has to do with applications, ways that the grace of God that we receive can be applied and activated, things that you can do. And again, it's a very broad statement. It goes up to the, I want you to understand the many different things of the Spirit. There are many different graces, but one Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service or ministries or applications, but the same Lord is over those things. And there are different kinds of working. Some of your translations might say activities. It has to do with the effects or the results. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And so as Paul starts talking about spiritual gifts, like it's, it's been to our detriment 
that in a lot of Western church, it has been narrowed down to this list of things that maybe you get to do if you're super spiritual, that, that it's been narrowed to almost like items in your pantry that may or may not be present. Because what Paul is saying is he's saying about the many different ways that you can receive grace from the Spirit of God and see it uh, ministered through the activity of your life and enjoy the, the, the various effects and, and ways that it brings results and change in the world. I don't want you to miss out on any of that stuff. So it's a much bigger thought than most of us have. It's not this restrictive, I hope you get something, you know, here's your party favor for coming. It's this big-eyed expectation to be open to any and every move of the Spirit around you and to say, Dad, I want to be part of that and to get to move into that type of a process. In 1 Peter chapter 4, these verses won't be on the screen. You'll have to go there on your own if you want to get there. Otherwise, you can just listen to me read them to you. But in Peter's letter, 1 Peter, as he's writing to the church, he touches on these ideas. He touches on kind of these big idea pictures. And Peter doesn't go into spiritual gifts and here's a list and here's something that you might be able to do. He really uses this big picture perspective of the way that the Spirit of God can move uh, in the life of a person and through the body of Christ and then to impact the world as well. In verse 10 of chapter four, he says this. He says, each one of you should use whatever gift, that's that same word that Paul uses, that's that charis word in the Greek, whatever grace that you have received, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. His language moves from what you receive to now the activity of the ministry that you get to be a part of. Faithfully administering God's grace, again, that same word, idea of kind of gifts and grace, in its various forms. He uses the same type of a language, that each one of us should receive uh, the grace of the Spirit in such a way that it is applied to the world around us in the ministry of service, and that we should be able to see it impact and bring change in all manner of varying forms. And then he moves on and he says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. And if anyone serves, he should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Now, when Paul in 1 Corinthians begins to talk about kind of some uh, uh, examples of gifts of the Spirit, he narrows to this idea of lists. And he talks about being prophetic and he talks about being, uh, 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 talks about um, kind of having a discerning of spirits and he talks about faith. There's a, there's a number of things, even in the, in the passage that we're looking at that are listed there. And what's interesting is you could take each one of the gifts that Paul lists in any of his lists that you find in his letters and you could put them into one or two categories. You could put them into a category that would be a speaking gift something that has to be spoken to be delivered, or you could put them in the category of an action, ministering, or serving gift, something that has to be acted or demonstrated upon. One of the gifts of the Spirit that's mentioned in Scripture is hospitality, and hospitality is not demonstrated by saying, hi, welcome, but it's by creating the environment where somebody comes in and they are welcomed by the presence of God. 
And so Paul gives us kind of some specific lists and expressions. What Peter does is he just says this, if you have a gift that God has given you that needs to be spoken, you need to do it with the reverence as if you're speaking for God himself. And if you are given a gift that needs to be acted upon in service and ministry, you should do so with the strength that God provides. And so he's not getting into the minutia of a certain list or this is what you need or this is what you don't need. He stays, I love Peter, he stays in the big idea realm. Whatever the spirit of God would want to do in and through you, do it in a way where you are partnered with the Lord himself and have that type of expectation and framework. And there's a lot of uh, study, there's a lot of doctrine and theology that goes around uh, fruit of the spirit, gifts of the spirit, and all of those things uh, are helpful They're beneficial and they have their place. But oftentimes they try to narrow to a place that says this is it and this isn't it and that isn't necessarily helpful for you and I on Monday morning when we're just trying to figure out how to follow Jesus and be a light in our workplace or in our school place or so on. The best way for you and I to know what the gifts of the Spirit are, how the ministries and service are to be demonstrated, and what could possibly be the outcome of it is to not know more about them, but to know more of the Holy Spirit. And not in a way where you've learned something, but in a way where you have experienced the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. More often than not, in Scripture, when it talks about knowing God, whether it's an Old Testament knowing Yahweh, whether it's kind of a New Testament in knowing our Heavenly Father or knowing Christ, whether it has to do with a knowledge or an understanding of the Holy Spirit and the way that the Spirit of God works, whatever language or vocabulary through the time of history that is used to somehow designate this triune God, the word to know him is more often a word that has experience at the root of it, not cognition. It's not you need to memorize more verses and you need to know kind of some more Bible trivia. It's you need to experience the person and presence of a living God in your day-to-day in a way that changes you and the world is changed as a result of that. And so I just, I want to encourage you and just kind of remind you and direct you towards that. That if there is, as you've been going through this series, and we'll talk about this as we close, if there's something in you that's saying, man, I want to... I want to know more about who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in my life. The best way for you to do that is to pursue a closer relationship with him, not just to pursue more knowledge or understanding. There is a place for that. You do need to be learned. It's a a good thing to do. But the experience of the presence of God will change your life in a way that just kind of uh, passing a Bible trivia quiz will not. We need to know him. So the gifts of the Spirit are not just a singular list. It's not just something that is itemized, and you get to kind of hopefully get something. Here's your party prize for knowing Jesus. But this perspective is there are many different ways that the Spirit of God wants to be at work in you and through you, and you should have big eyes that is looking expectantly in every direction for what that could be and how you could participate with it. And so you move from this idea of what are the gifts, if you will expand your imagination for who God is and what he wants to do, you'll have a greater expectation, and I would say that you would have a more frequent experience 
of partnering with the Lord in those things. But we need to know what they are for. And so that's our second question. What are the gifts of the Spirit for? Pastor, why does this matter? Right? Why is this important? Aside from it's in Scripture, aside from it's something that Jesus really emphasized and told his disciples not to do anything until they had that, aside from Paul's doctrine and all the other stuff, why should it matter to me? And what are they actually for? And so we're going to move from verses 4 to 6. We're just going to go to verse 7, and that's going to help frame us, uh, that, the, the answer for that question. Paul actually leads us to that question, and he says this in verse 7. Now to each one, that means each one of the body of Christ, each Christ follower, the manifestation or uh, the presence and activity would be another uh, great way to, to say that word, of the Spirit is given for the common good, all right? So here's our call and response. Say common good. All right, say it like you actually got an extra hour of sleep, more than the nine o'clock service, common good. Okay, the, the gifts of the Spirit, the ministry and service of the Spirit, the activities of the Spirit are not singularly for you, but are for others. This is really, really important. If you have a full, mature understanding of who the Spirit of God is and how he works in your life, you will have spiritual fruit and spiritual gifts in equal measure, and it will be for the benefit of those around you. Right? If you think about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, not self-love, right? If you direct that love towards yourself, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, you can go a few verses earlier in Galatians where Paul's writing, and he would say that's the works of the flesh. And we know what that looks like. It's, it is not something that demonstrates the goodness of God. We've all loved ourselves at times, over and above the Lord and others, and it never produces something of health and benefit. They, they, they go together. Okay, so that love, that joy, that peace, that patience, it's demonstrated out. It's something that is uh, affecting those around us. Same thing with spiritual gifts, gifts of the Spirit, any grace that you would receive to be in partnership with the activating uh, work of the Holy Spirit in and around you is primarily for somebody else. It's not for you. It's for the common good. It's for the whole. Paul's going to move on here later in 1 Corinthians, and he's going to talk about, in just a moment, the, the metaphor of the body. And he would say, everybody's important. We're, we're all apart. And just because you seem to have prominence in the eyes of the other parts doesn't mean that you're not important. That there's this whole and wholeness that is required for everybody to benefit. He moves in some of his letters to say that we mourn with those who mourn, we rejoice who, with those who rejoice, that when one part suffers, we all suffer together. And that's not just the local church expression, that's not just what's going on in your context or even in this church body, but when our friends in Christ, when other believers in Afghanistan and Myanmar, when they are suffering, we suffer with them, There should be something that rises in us to to pray and contend for God to be moving there. Something that God's been doing in me this week, it's, it's kind of a newer thing for me. It's for the common good. The gifts of the Spirit are to be at work in the body of Christ, not primarily for you to be doing something cool with the Holy Spirit, but for you to partner with him in a way that makes a difference in the lives of those 
around you. And what happens is if we have a right understanding of that, spiritual gifts, activity of the spirit in our life in general moves us from a place where we're not considering what is just good for me, but I'm thinking of we. You move from me to we. And can I tell you, you don't get to the we without the fruit of the spirit at work in your life. When you are operating in the gifts of the spirit, and you are producing the fruit of the Spirit, you will be ever uh, kind of redirecting your thought from self to others, and you will be demonstrating the activity of your life in a way that is good for everybody around you. And so here's something that we need to recognize. You can be expressing the gifts of the Spirit and not be mature at all. See, if you remember when we were looking at the beginning of this, this idea of spiritual fruit and spiritual gifts, spiritual fruit is the formation of the character of Christ in us. That's actually a mark of maturity. And without that, you can be uh, active in spiritual gifts, but not loving. And Paul would say in chapter 13, in the middle of this teaching, that that means that what you're doing has no eternal value at all. You're just making noise and causing problems because you're not, you're not mature. So these two things end up going together. Spiritual gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. And you can demonstrate spiritual fruit and you can have a deep reservoir of Christian character and be doing nothing to change the world around you. Somebody who's really mature in the things of the Spirit of God are producing the fruit of the Spirit not in their own strength, but the Spirit of God is producing that in them, and they are partnering with the things of the Spirit in spiritual gifts and service and ministry and activity as well. They both have to be present for us to be actually mature and fruitful towards the things of the kingdom of God. And so our last question moves us from not just kind of here's what, what are the gifts of the Spirit and, and what are they for? They're, they're primarily for others, although there are benefits for us when we say yes to what God's doing and we're a part of that. But our last question is who receives these gifts. And what we're going to do is we're going to take several verses that we touched on and add one more to it. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to take 6 and 7. We read those together. And then we're going to add verse 11, which is after one of Paul's lists. And it would read this way. In all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So in all of these gifts and expressions, whether it's gifts, ministries, or activities, in all of those things, and in each person, it is the same God who is at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So again, that verse that we just tackled. And all of these, what? All of these gifts, all of these lists, all of these uh, gifts, services, workings, all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Each one. Everybody say each one. Each one. Okay, so what Paul would say is this, that Paul would say that as a follower of Christ, you should have the expectation that all of this is available to you. That the gifts of the Spirit, that the service of the Spirit, that the workings of the Spirit, that that is all available to you and I. And here's, here's the thing, as he uses language that's kind of singular in English, as he says, to each one, they get something. To each one, there's this. And even in his list, he says one does this and one does that and one has this and one has that. 
And because of our highly individualistic worldview, we narrow it to think that somehow what God does is he's got kind of a pile of gifts here. And you know what? You're going to get something. And you might, ooh, you might get two. You look great today. You get two. You, I mean, I know you're in the second row because nobody, you know, had a rough week. We talked about that. No, I'm teasing. So maybe you get a half. Like we have a tendency to think that that's the way that spiritual gifts work. We think of them like Christmas gifts or birthday gifts. But you receive the whole of the spirit, don't you? And so what, his gifts, he what, he leaves those in a trailer somewhere, he leaves those in storage, and when you've got your stuff together, then he'll bring you in and give you a little something? No, the spirit of God is at resident in you as a dead being who has been made alive in Christ and filled with the power and the authority of Jesus, and you're producing spiritual fruit, not in your own effort, because of what the spirit of God is doing in you, and all of his gifts and all of his power come with him. Now, there's different kind of perspectives and ideas about how we begin to engage in those things, but we need to have a big view of our big God and not the opposite. All of these are at work of one and the same spirit. He distributes them to each as they need. And here's where we struggle. Our perspective is often a spiritual poverty in our mind. We can get to a place where we acknowledge that God is big, but we still think of ourselves as small. Or we think of ourselves as big when we're really not, and we think of others as small. See, unfortunately, when it comes to gifts of the Spirit, many times there's this comparison, and there's this perspective that many of us, or most of us, are lacking, that God is withholding. But can I remind you that Dad says yes? We're going to close with that in a little bit, but dad, dad says yes. When you unpack what Paul is saying here, everyone is a part of this. All followers of Christ are meant to bear the fruit of the Spirit, and all followers of Christ are intended to participate in the activities of the Spirit of God, spiritual gifts and otherwise. Contend for both hunger for both, have a courage and an expectation to desire both, have a desire to see the fruit of the Spirit on display in the, in the character and the spiritual formation in your person, and have a desire to see the power and presence of God demonstrated in the activity of your life through the gifts of the Spirit and service and workings and activities. Con- contend for both. When I pray for my kids every night, Pray for their inside and for their outside. One of the beautiful pictures that we have in Scripture is of Jesus who stands before the throne of God and it says that he intercedes for the saints day and night. That your Lord and Savior stands before the throne of the Father and he intercedes on your behalf. One of the ways that the Holy Spirit actually works in your life if you do kind of a dig, a dig deep on this is he actually he intercedes for us in prayer as well, helps us to pray when we don't know what to pray. It's a really cool thing. Contend for both. Contend for both. Church family, if you would stand this morning, worship team, if you would come forward, we're gonna, we're gonna take a few minutes to allow the Holy Spirit to move us towards a response.
for most of us, okay, for most of us, you're going to be in one or two positions. Most of us are going to be in one or two positions. We're going to either be in the position of we've been contending for one and not the other. That there's been a focus in your discipleship, there's been a focus in your walk with Jesus that has focused more heavily on one of those buckets. And maybe you're somebody who is drawn to kind of the fruit of the Spirit, and you know that there's places in you where you need to have a deeper, uh, uh, um, just a, a deeper character of Christ formed in you. You want to be more loving. You, you, you want to see more patience on display in your life. You really gravitate towards that. And the, the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the activity of the Spirit in that way, that's, that's something maybe you've neglected. Or you could be in one of those places, and I would put them in the same boat, where you're focused a lot on the gifts of the Spirit, the activity of the Holy Spirit. You're trying to move and shake and you know, make things happen, but there's not a deep character of Christ being developed in you. There's, there's a lack of the fruit of the Spirit. And it, it's okay. We have a tendency to focus on one thing at a time, especially when it comes to spiritual matters. I would just say, hey, contend for both. Dad says you can have both. If you can have both, if you don't have to choose, then choose both. Let's do that. But the other place many of us are in is not in a place where we're out of balance, but we've just, we've checked out. We're not contending for either. There's a variety of reasons for that. You may feel just the weight of your past. You may feel a condemnation of just kind of a, a, a guilt-filled life. You may be dealing with addiction or bondage or something that seems to keep you from going forward. And so you just assume that because you haven't got it together that those aren't on offer for you. You may have seen somebody who was kind of imbalanced in one direction or another and you just thought, I don't wanna be like that because you saw what it did to them and to others or you were a part of a church that overemphasized one or the other. But can I just encourage you, like contend for both. Contend for both. See the Spirit of God produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life and see the Spirit of God activate the gifts of the Spirit in your life. Just say yes to that. Just say yes to both. If you would bow your heads, I want to remind you of one last thing. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, we closed our service last week with this verse as well. Jesus is speaking and he says, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. There's a number of different ways that people talk about the, the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. There's a number of different ways that people approach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And all of those things are, are helpful on their own. But they can also be narrowed and restrictive because they're trying to make sure that you get something right or you can convince yourself of something that has taken place. Can I just lower the bar real low to what Jesus says. Jesus says that if you ask your heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit, that if you contend for that, that Dad says yes. If you contend for the fruit of the Spirit to be produced in your life, Dad says yes, and you will begin to see that. If you contend for the gifts of the Spirit, the service, the ministries, the activities of the Spirit to be on display in your life, You'll begin to see that, Dad says yes. 
There's a lot of helpful ways for you to learn and grow and have other believers walk you along to help you discover how to put that into practice, but just start by surrendering and asking the Lord. And so, Lord, we come to you today. And Jesus, we take you at your word. And there are hearts here, Lord, that want to contend for all that you have for them. Lord, they want to contend for the fruit and the gifts. They want all the fullness of the Spirit, not just within them, but welling up out of them, that they would be changed and transformed and that they would be used to, to bring that transformation as a blessing to the world around them, that we would live lives of deep spiritual character, but we would also live lives that are changing the world around us by the power of the Spirit. Lord, we know that you say yes. So allow them to receive that from you today. And Lord, some of my friends here may have not contended for either of them. Lord, they may be still in a place where they're hesitant or wondering how to take steps forward. Would you give them courage? Lord, to just begin to meet with you in prayer and allow your spirit and your word to begin to move them forward in that. Lord, help us to be kind and loving and courageous and strong. Help us to demonstrate both the fruit and the power that we would be used by you to make a difference in the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Action steps for you this week are pretty simple. If you've got a smartphone or a tablet, I would encourage you to just snap a picture of those. The first one is begin each morning this week inviting the Holy Spirit to lead you through the day. One of our verses has been keep in step with the Spirit. So then number two, purpose in your heart to keep in step with the spirit respond to that leading and then number three contend for both the fruit and the gifts in your life this week